Hi there, and welcome to this week's Jersnet Weekly Podcast. So Rangers get back on the winning trail with a victory over Hearts at Ibrox. We'll do the usual post-match debrief. Meanwhile, Kenny Miller and Lee Wallace were sensationally kicked out of Ibrox last week. We'll pick the bones out of what has been a dramatic fallout from last week's humiliation at Hamden. And finally, we'll look at the kit deal announced by the club with Hummel eh, last week. And we'll ask if it's a sign of progress off the pitch, and I must emphasise the off part of that statement. Your Jersnet podcast host this week is me, Colin Armstrong, and I'll be chewing the fat with Ross Bennett and Jersnet legend Pete this week. How are we doing, guys? Evening, Colin. Very well, thanks. Yourself? Not bad, not bad. How are you, Pete? Evening. Yeah, very good. Thanks. Are we all in a bit more positive frame of mind after that today? Yeah, it was very good. A lot more happy than we have been the last few weeks anyway. What about yourself, Ross? Yeah, no, very, very positive this evening. It's been a lovely weekend sat in the sun anyway, so it's... Uh, ah, right, be- okay, right, right, okay. For, for, <laughs> for, for our listeners' sake, we'll let them know that that yourself and Pete have been winding me up because you live in warmer parts of the world than I do right now. So I don't need to know about barbecues and all that nonsense. We'll just get straight into the, <laughs> the topics in hand. Ross, I'll come to you first. How did you feel about the game today and the performance overall? Well, I mean, it's night and day from last week, isn't it? It was. Uh, I thought we were very much in control. If we hadn't walked away with three points, it would have been an absolute travesty. Um, I think certain players were still somewhat anonymous and kind of were still a wee bit hidden. Um, one, Mr. Windass in particular for me, but I thought the majority of the players out there today really kind of seem to have learned a lesson from last week, have responded in a really positive way. Um, some really good individual performances. And actually, I think the team deserved to win by by more than just the one goal. P, what about yourself? Are you happy with that performance today? Yeah, well, I certainly think we dominated the first half. Uh, up to 30 minutes, we were really, really good, actually. But they were just missing that wee bit, that wee cutting edge at the end up in the last third anyway. And, yeah, Windass, yeah, he was invisible, but he had some, really, the, the ball to Murphy for the goal, he had some great bits of football as well. And that's the thing with Windass, even although he... he He's, he's not, he disappears. He can still produce that magic cut for the for for parts of the game. And that's uh, that's that's why I think Murty keeps picking him. Yeah, uh, I've got to be honest with you, I think I would I would I would lean with Ross more where Windass is concerned. I think I mean he's, he obviously has goals in his game, there's no doubt about that. But I think that's been masking a sort of a, a below level or a, what we would expect from from a Rangers player in terms of his overall performances. I think Ross is right. I think he tends to, to hide in games. I, th- I think he had one decent effort today, a shot down at the, the sort of near post. But other than that, I, I genuinely am struggling to think of anything positive. He sort of contributed to the game. Defensively, Ross, suspect again though, surely. That goal we conceded was 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 shocking. It's certainly not good enough from, um, from the centre-backs in particular. Looking at that goal that's come in, um, the ball it's a, it's a nice ball that's coming it's a good dead ball that's coming but it goes over their lad at the front post goes over his head Doran's behind him kind of seems to duck out of the way of it so I'm not sure what's going on there but the fact that the next two or three lads 
lining up to knock that ball into the net are all Hearts players, in particular Christoph Berra and Kyle Lafferty, who are two big players, both of whom are good in the air. Where were our centre backs? You know, and and it's not the only time. You know, it's not the first time that we've seen this. That our our kind of set up and structure at, at defensive set pieces is is bizarre at times. You know, I don't know where Russell Martin or Ross McCrory were this uh, this afternoon when that ball comes in because you've got Berra and you've got Lafferty lining up to knock the ball into the net, completely unchallenged. There's nothing that Anik can do about it. Um, so yeah, a little bit defensively suspect. I thought. Uh, you know that aside, Ross McCrory was was slightly poorer on the ball than he's been in in previous games. But you know neither of the of the centre backs are as bad as, as they have been in in the past few weeks. I thought the Tav had an okay game, but actually I was really impressed by Declan John. Um, I thought he had a really strong game and was kind of looking more like the player that he looked in the earlier parts of the season. So. Again, there's. I think that, and I've, we've all spoken about it on the podcast before that defensively we've been really suspect all season, and there were still hallmarks of that today. But it's certainly nowhere near as bad as it has been. Can I just come in there? I, I would actually like to know what the offside law is and a, a thing like that because there was two Hearts players offside. Naismith was offside, and I think it was Suter at the back was offside, and Naismith even jumped for the ball to try and header it. So. What is actually the offside law in there? In, in my eyes, there was two players offside at the, when the ball was kicked. Although I would, I would agree Berra wasn't. That's for sure, 100% sure. But there were two players offside. So I really wonder what the, the law is in that situation. I think you need a degree in, in refereeing these days to understand the offside rule, Pete. But I, I agree. I thought Naismith was offside. Uh, that, that said, though, I don't think it excuses the sort of level of defending at the free kick. But the minute Naismith goes for the ball, which he does, and and you could maybe argue that uh, Doran uh, undoubtedly ducked. He's maybe done that on the basis of, well, Naismith's offside, I'll just let that go. I don't know, but I thought Naismith was offside. But the, the, the old adage is you play at the whistle, is it not? You know, you play until you know you've got that decision. And I still think defensively, it was so bad at that, that set piece. And it's it's been a, it's been a, a thing that's continued uh, throughout this season. Maybe he's been watching Mik- Mikulachenko videos. <laughs> well, maybe. Who knows? In terms of the team, Pete, uh, three changes. So, Anik came in, which I must admit surprised me. Uh, Jason Commons came in and Jason Holt. Were you happy with the selection? Do you think Murty got it right today? Well, I think the uh, the result proves that he got it right today. Uh I was really surprised. I certainly wasn't expecting a change in keeper, although I've probably been Fodderingham's biggest critic. But no, Jason Cummings, I certainly wasn't. I might have thought about him in a two-man forward line, but I certainly wasn't uh, expecting him as a lone forward. And I don't really think it's a position that suits him, although he did get the winning goal today. Uh, the first half, he wasn't he wasn't that great, and he, he wasn't into the box as much as you would hope he would be. There was quite a few times that, the Murphy and uh, Candias were getting forward, but he wasn't in the box. Although the second half, that seemed to change and he got into the box a lot more. Ross, uh, Pete mentions Jason Cummins there. Uh, says he, he, you know, he shouldn't have been a lone striker. I, I can kind of agree with that. I know where he's coming with that. I think after the miss for Morelos last week, though, I thought Morelos played well last week, but that miss, it's been 
you know, there's been a few of them now. I wasn't surprised to see Cummins come in. Took his goal well, I thought. Should have had another. Do you think he deserves to start next week against Celtic? It's a big game now, obviously. If, if, if they win, they win the title. If Aberdeen, I'm trying to remember how this works, if Aberdeen fail to win on Friday against Hearts, then Celtic only need a draw on Sunday against us to, 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 to win the title. Does Cummins deserve a start in such a big game after that today? Well, I cannot see Murty going with two up top. I think that's out of the question. So then it kind of boils down to who are you going to play as your lone striker? And if that's the question, then for me, it has to be Morelos. I think Morelos offers a lot more, dropping slightly deeper. He's a bit more physical and he holds the ball up a bit better. For me, he's better with his back to goal and bringing others into play. So I think Cummins is a real penalty box striker. He's got a wonderful eye for goal, but he's good going forward, kind of running off the shoulder of the last man. Whereas Morelos just offers a little bit more outside the penalty area for me. The question really could be, though, you know, I don't think we're going to see a, a kind of a classic two up top next week. And actually, it, 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 I agree with that. It could be suicide to do that. But could you play um, one just off the other? You know, could could you play Morelos in the Josh Windass role, for example, and have Cummings up top? And for me, that could work. Um, the only other option to kind of try and shoehorn Cummings into the starting lineup would be to play him out wide left, which you know he's he's done before. I'm sure he did it at Hibs, and you know uh, it, it could be done. But I don't think there's any way you could you could drop Murphy. So. The only way for me that, that Cummings is getting a start next week is if uh, Marty was brave enough to drop Josh Windass, and I can't see him doing that because, uh, for whatever reason, Josh Windass seems to be the first name on the team sheet every week for Graham Marty. Um, but if we're going with one up top next week, I, for me, it just it has to be Morelos for everything that he offers outside of the penalty area. The funny thing is, so that I think if he'd have played more Morelos today, Hearts would have been waiting for that. I think they were actually wanting Morelos uh, up was next to better. And I think putting Cummings up there actually was uh, put better right off his game because he's not Cummings is not the kind of player that Berra likes to play against. He likes to play against the physical type of players. If that was Murty's idea, then it was actually quite a good idea. Uh, well, I, 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 would, I would kind of tend to agree with that. Going back to what Ross said about Cummings, though, uh, I thought a couple of weeks ago against, I think it was against Motherwell, I think it was a game that Windass got injured and and Cummins came on for him the sort of last 10 minutes. I thought Jason Cummins done that role pretty well, the dropping deep role and sort of providing, you know, being the link man between middle to front. So I think he could maybe do that job next week, but I agree with Ross in terms of, I don't think Marty will drop Josh Windass at all. I don't think that's going to happen. If it was between the two for the one up top, Pete, who would you go with? Uh, yeah, <laughs> after the day, uh, yeah, I, I really want Cummins in the team, but I would, I would also like, I would, I'd love to see that three-five-two. But for that, you would probably need Bates to be better again, and uh, I haven't heard anything that he's just about to return to training. So, so I don't think we're going to get that. But uh, between the two, I think I've got to go with Morelos. Has anyone else today played? I mean, I thought Jason Holt done. Okay, today, has anyone else that's came into the team today played themselves into contention for next week? Well, Jason Holt, definitely. He's, he, 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 was, he wasn't man of the match. I, I think Candias was man of the match. But Jason Holt was uh, was outstanding. Uh, and Dorrance had his best game since uh, since he pulled on a Rangers shirt, in, in my, my view anyway. Uh, because I've been one of his biggest, his biggest critics as well. 
but he was really good today. And I think the, the he got the whole game going with that tackle in the first half. He put in a, a really solid tackle into, I don't know who the Hearts player was now. And that sort of got the crowd lifted and it, that lifted the players as well. So that sort of put the, a stamp on the game. Ross, would you have Jason Holt in that team next week after that today? Do you know what? I don't know what it is, but we seem to play better with Jason Holt in the side. And I don't that's not because he's a world-class player or anything, but there's something about him in the side that just makes us look a little bit more secure. Um, he does, I think he does offer quite a lot going forward as well. So uh, if it was, you know, him or Doherty or him or Goss, do you know what? Yeah, after after today, I would I would have Jason Holt in the side there. Look for if nothing else, he's one of the few players that you can count on to really give a hundred percent every week. And his quality is not always as, as high as we need it to be. And I certainly don't see him still being at the club in two or three years' time because he's not the quality that we need to win 55, in my opinion. But, you know, based on his performance today and his sheer endeavour and, and his work rate, and that's what we're going to need next week is players that are willing to give 100%. I'd, I think I would have him in the team, yeah. I don't know if you've seen this going into the game, guys. Uh, there was there was a couple of people I noticed that on social media with regards to Morelos showing him warming up and he just looked scunnered for, for want of a better phrase to be honest with you and he looked really petulant and really as if he was in the huff based on everything that's happened over the last week and we'll, we'll come to that later on is there a possibility you know that, that, that Morelos is becoming a bit of a, a negative influence in the dressing room is he becoming quite disruptive because I just kind of get the feeling that I mean, at the end of last week, obviously, had that spark with Doherty. By all accounts, it continued down the tunnel and into the dressing room. Both players benched today. He's seen trotting about the pitch in the huff. Is, there, is he becoming, you know, he's quite selfish. He seems quite petulant. Is he becoming that sort of negative influence in the dressing room? I'm going to stick up for him, actually. Listen, we're talking about a guy who's, what, 20, 21 years old, who's played a consistent 18 or 19 months worth of football with no break. Um, who's moved to a, an alien environment to him where he will be under intense media pressure unlike anything he's ever felt before. He's had, you know, let's not shy away from the fact he's had some horrific misses. For all the goals that he's scored, 18, 19 goals in the league this season, he scored some wonderful goals, but he's had some shocking misses. And because of that, he's been absolutely hounded by the press over the last week or two and also received some really nasty and quite abusive comments, unfortunately, from our own fans on social media. Um, and he finds himself benched. I actually, almost, I, I'm not saying I, I agree with the attitude that he showed warming up because it's not good enough and it's not what we expect from a Rangers player. But I do feel for the guy. I think, you know, he's, he's top goal scorer and he finds himself benched. That's fine. That's what happens. You're playing as part of a team. But some of the messages he's he's received over, over the last week over social media, some of the things that have been written about him in the press... The guy needs a break, and and for him especially, the end of the season can't come can't come quick enough. If I'm being honest, though, I almost now can't really see him being here next next year. I think if any semi sensible offer comes in for him over the summer, him and his agent are going to be straight on to Rangers and say, "Let's get this moved on," because I think he'll he'll probably want to move on. Well, I think that. Sorry, uh, on you go, on you go. I think I think that's why he was offered a new contract to make it better for Rangers uh, and possibly himself. That there'll maybe be a, a a cause in it to let him go. I never seen the 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 way he started today. 
uh, well, I've seen when he came on the park, but I didn't see before the game and warming up. The thing about Morelos is that even if he's not scoring, he puts in a good shift. And that, that's why I, I, still, I still wonder if, if maybe Morelos, if you could put Morelos up front and Cummings playing round about him instead of Windass and let Windass uh, drop Windass from the team. That's the that's way I would be more thinking about it is dropping Candias or uh, or Murphy. Oh, I don't know. I don't know where. I, I couldn't get behind dropping Candias or Murphy. I've got to be honest. I think the two of them have, have been really good. I think Candias has been a, a, a gem, I find. I really do. I love the wee guy. Uh, so no, I, would, I, would, I don't think I would agree with that. But with regards to Morelos, I, th- I think it's a really tricky one. And I, and I kind of wonder if it's a sign of not having a manager that's strong enough to deal with that character because the, the image that I saw today, someone filmed it on their, their, their mobile phone and put it on social media. I, I'm looking at that thinking if that was a manager like Walter Smith, that would never happen. Never in a million years would that happen. So I, I don't know. I just, I like Morelos. I think he's he's been he's been fantastic this season. I think he offers a lot. He's strong, as I've said previously. He works the channels, does a lot of running, and he is actually not, not a bad finisher despite the the, the the horrific misses. But there's just that petulance and, and that selfishness. There was one today when he had the chance to pass it in to Jason Holt, and I think Holt would have had an open goal. And when Holt never got the pass, he was oh, he was going off his head. He was going ballistic at Morelos. And I, I just wonder if other other players within the, the dressing room are becoming a wee bit frustrated at him and, and whether that's... Be- festering into something a bit more a bit more troublesome. Taking things off the part for a minute, guys, uh, before the game, there was there was a, a sort of protest. Uh, there was a banner held up saying, you know, we deserve better. And, you know, basically saying the board and players, incompetent off the park and on it. I think it was something along those lines that said, I got involved in a wee bit of debate today on social media uh, with, a, with, with a fellow Rangers fan who said that that was bang out of order. That you know it was it was it was not constructive criticism and all this kind of thing and that's not to go about it. I, I disagreed with that. I, I think the fans after last week had a right to to sort of vent their frustrations. Fans protesting, yeah or nay, David? Yeah, well, I think uh, that I think they were perfectly right after last week's performance. Uh, they perfectly right to 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 do that. I, I was I was a wee bit. More with this, nobody singing. That, that was, was that I like to. Then I think you're really hurting the team and not the board. I don't think it was a protest then for the board. It was again more hurting the, the, the team. And I, 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 while I agree that the team were absolutely terrible last week, then I still think they should have gave them their support this week. Certainly have the signs. That that was perfectly legitimate for me. Uh, but uh, yeah, not not singing. That that sort of a went against my curve. So no vocal support. I, I, I can actually see you're thinking that that actually makes sense. You know, obviously you want to get behind the team and, and see them over the line. But the banner saying we expect more. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, they, 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 that's it. And I think they, 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 in the second half they had a different one. It was yeah. mind, mindless behind the scenes, heartless on the pitch. We deserve better. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, I'm, 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 I have no problem with them putting up banners like that. I think it's, uh, I think it's there for the board to see it. Although I think the board know that the fans are not happy. I think it's, uh, I think that's uh, quite uh, obvious. obvious. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> right. Obviously, we've got a few games to go here. Uh, we're, we're currently sitting in second place. Incredibly, I saw a start today. 
Celtic have only won two games more than us. You know what I mean? And yet we're in a fight for, for fourth here. How do you feel, Ross? How do you feel we're placed in, in, in terms of the running? I, I have to be honest with you. I'm trying to be positive here, but I'm not, I do not feel confident about the run of fixtures we've got in front of us. No, I mean, I would say it's a coin toss, but there's there's three teams in there, so there's no three-sided coin we can toss and see which way it's going to come up. I think it could it could go to us or Aberdeen or Hibs, and there's probably an equally likely chance that it'll go to any one of us. Um, today was always going to be the easiest match that we have post-split. So we did the job, we did what we had to do today, but it's only going to get harder from here. Um, I know we've got Kelly coming to us, but we've got to go away to Celtic um, and away to Easter Road as well, I believe. So the games are only going to get harder after today. <sighs> I I don't feel great, but you know we've had the making of Neil Lennon previously this season. The games have been quite close, but we know we can get a good result against Hibs. We know that Derek McInnes is a famous bottle job and can't do it against Glasgow teams and, and can't do it against good teams. So that's that's kind of in our favour there. I don't see us getting a result next week at all, but that's that's kind of by the by, I suppose. Um, I think this is it's it's really going to come down for us. It's going to come down to the Kilmarnock at home game. Steve Clark's beaten us twice this season, so we need to see what we as a club have learned from how we need to set up against Kilmarnock, how they've played against us in the past. Um, it's all for me. It's all going to come down to that game against Kilmarnock. Obviously, um, Kilmarnock lost yesterday, so. They are beatable. They are fallible. It can be done. They're the form team at the moment, but uh, I don't feel great. I think it's it's too close to call. Um, listen, if we at the moment we're sat ten points behind Celtic, we have scored the most goals in the league. Um, our goal difference is uh, thankfully our goal difference is, is streets ahead of Aberdeen's, and it, it really could come down to that. So it's not all doom and gloom. We're probably certainly mathematically at least we're in the best position possible out of the three of us so it's not all doom and gloom but my god it's going to be close isn't it wouldn't it be fantastic if Celtic lost all their games and we had another helicopter Sunday that would <laughs> I'm, I'm dreaming already <laughs> aye very much so it would appear Pete uh, I, I mean as much as I'd love it. And, and that's what I'm talking about I, I, I mean that start today that Celtic have only they've won 22 games and we've won 20 that's, I mean, when you consider the absolute nightmare a season we've had, and it has been terrible, especially at home, to only be two sort of victories off them is is, is unforgivable. I, I, even if we'd won 50% of the points that we dropped at home this season, we'd be right in the mix, and it's just it's so frustrating. Quick, guys, uh, next week, are we feeling confident? Uh, no, <laughs> in a word. <laughs> um, no, I, I, not at all. I think... Uh, given how I was, I was at Hampden last week, and I, I watched, I watched that horror show unfold. Um, they they know how easy it can be for them. I think if you know certain players today for us really showed up and and showed that they cared. If the same players can show up and show a bit of fight and just show a bit of grit and determination, um, you never know. And, you know, sometimes it's nice to be written off before before a ball's kicked and we can be underestimated and we can show the world what we can actually do. Um, and usually I'm quite positive and I'm quite optimistic, but I, I just I just can't see it this time, I'm afraid. Pete, how are you feeling next week? Well, it depends what Rangers team turn up, isn't it? I mean, if you look, take, take Hearts today, 
they just never showed up against. They didn't put anything into attacking us at all. And then look at the way they played against Celtic and beat them 4-0. So if, I think if Rangers can put out a team that uh, will go and not give Celtic the chance to play what they did last week. I mean, we just, as I said on the, the preview for the game, we just lay down and let them rubber bellies last week. And uh, if we don't do that and we go out and we don't give, we get in Scott Brown's face and and niche them and don't give them a chance. And I think that way we've got to do that. I think the only player that can do that is Jason Holt. So for me, he would be a starter. Um, then, then I do think we can. I mean, we've, we've, we nearly beat them at Parkhead before, and we should have beaten them at Ibrox. So that, and that's the way we've got to come out, and we've got to get into them. Get into them. <laughs> well, I mean, if, if, if my way of feeling is anything to go by, we'll be okay because I felt fairly confident in the last two games and we've been beat, and I'm dreading it on, on Sunday coming. So who knows? We might come up with a result. Right, guys, obviously you'll be aware last week, I mean, after that that capitulation on Sunday against Celtic, I'll be honest, I expected something to happen at Ibrox in, in, in the following week. Actually, if I'm being honest, I expected Murty to sort of be removed from post and maybe put to the side and let Jimmy Nichols see out the, the, you know, looking after the team for the rest of the season. The one thing I didn't expect was for a... Uh, a club captain and most experienced player to basically be banished from the club. I, I, I mean, I thought it was remarkable. I, 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 absolutely stunning everything that happened last week. And to me, it sort of shows where we are as a club at the moment. It's just really embarrassing, I thought. We'll get right to it. Was it the right decision to get rid of the two of them? Um, well, I, I can't say no, to be honest. I think it, it seems there's, there's a bit of a pattern emerging here with Kenny Miller that as soon as a manager's under some pressure... He finds himself, you know, being suspended or falling out with people at the club. So, what's he doing? Is he is he undermining things? Is he thinking he's got a sniff at a management position at Ibrox? Is he, you know, trying to usurp or or launch some kind of a coup? Um, and and Lee Wallace, uh, there's been there's been all kinds of rumours flying around since the suspension and actually before Wallace's suspension from the club that Lee Wallace has been fit and, and able to play for a number of weeks now. And when you think about it, he's not kicked a ball all season because he had a hernia operation. I've never known a hernia operation that's that's left someone out for this long. So, you know, if, if they've been a, a disruptive influence and have undermined the manager, undermined the coaching setup, um, perhaps undermined the board and have caused disruption and tension in the dressing room, uh, then... Ugh, it, it, the the regrettable part of this is that it shows us it, it makes us appear like a basket case club again and that's what we don't need it's a PR nightmare but if it's the right thing to do for the dressing room then I'd have to stand by it Pete, surely I mean I've, I, I, I slightly disagree with Ross here surely you know people like Kenny Miller and, and Lee Wallace I mean Lee Wallace has I mean I don't buy this he stayed for the fight stuff I have to say, I think Lee Wallace stayed with Rangers because it suited his personal situation at the time. I don't think he wanted to play in England. He couldn't earn the same money anywhere else in Scotland other than at Celtic, and that's not going to happen. So I think it suited Lee Wallace to stay at Rangers. So that's he stayed for the fight stuff. I've never really bought that, to be honest with you. I understand why Kenny Miller's, he's not really a likable person. You know, he, he, he comes across as quite arrogant and all the rest of it. 
and understand why he's 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 kind of unlikable. But surely these guys, especially Miller, are people who know how a successful Rangers dressing room operates. And if they if they're seeing something that they think goes against what they expect in terms of standards, surely they've got a right to express that. Well, obviously, everybody's got a right to express uh, what what they want to what they think and what they want to say. It obviously depends on how you do it, and I don't know how Ken. I'm obviously I'm not in the dressing room, so I don't know how he approaches it. Well, he also also gets uh, blamed for giving information to the press and things like that. So that might be another way that he's undermining the manager. Uh, I mean, it, last week was ridiculous that. Uh, the, the, the team that Murty was going to pick was actually two days before it was on on uh, social media. So uh, I don't know whether Miller's got anything to do with that, but he seems to get most of the blame for it with his connections to Jackson from the record. But he certainly has a, a, a right to to have to criticise, and Murty should also be able to take criticism. But obviously, there's a, a line between what is criticism and what is just being a bloody nuisance. Sorry, just to just to add to that, Colin, you're sort of saying there that if you know these guys are, they know what it what it takes to win, and 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 they're winners. <laughs> but I don't remember these two kicking up massive protests and fusses in the dressing room. You know, on, in our first season in the championship, when we couldn't beat teams like Aloha. So, is it that they are disgusted that they're playing in a team that's not winning? Or is it that they've smelt weakness in the manager and their, you know, their actions are, are making that worse? I think I've, I've seen this comment on, on social media through the week and it's, I think it's a valid point. You know, they, they never kicked off against McCoyst in that, in that season in the Championship. However, one thing I would say is, you know, McCoyst has a lot of collateral behind him in terms of, you know, he's, he's a club legend. You know, so even if he is you know, driving a car crash of a club in the championship, who in that dressing room has got the right to approach Alan McCoyst and say, you're doing this wrong? And to me, that's the difference between McCoyst and Murty. I think Miller and Wallace look at Murty and think he has not got a clue what this club is all about. I don't think anyone could level that at McCoyst. And, and that's probably wrong. But unfortunately, that's how football works. There is a hierarchy and and it's always been there. And certain individuals, when they've got a certain amount of, of, of credit in the bank, become untouchable. And I think that's what happened with McCoyst. If it was any other manager in that championship, I think senior players, and I think Lee McCulloch was there at the time, I think they, he would have spoken out as well. So I get that. And, I, I, and, I, and it's a valid argument. I, I really do think it's a valid argument. It's wrong that you know, McCoy's get got away with it, and and Murray's and getting it in the neck for these two. But to me, that's football. If if people have certain amount of credibility in the bank, you you, you can't really challenge them. Well, I don't think MD was criticising when he done it with Cakesina as well. I think everybody was quite happy that Cakesina get get booted out shortly after it, and then uh, obviously Murty let him back in. And now, obviously, Murty's regretting letting him back in, probably. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it, it is the way it works, you know. I mean, I mean, Pedro is another one that, you know, a lot of people will look at and think he's not got a clue, and it makes them easier targets. I mean, there's a lot of ego involved in football, and again, I have to emphasise, I'm not saying that that's right, but to me, that's how that's how the the football business operates. So, the, as, as Ross has pointed out. If someone appears weak, 
and they've got nothing behind them in terms of credibility, then I think experienced players are going to question things and are going to say, well, this isn't good enough. I mean, going back to the... I mean, this has happened before when you think of Paul Le Guin and Barry Ferguson. Now, going by Barry Ferguson's version of events, I, I thought he was quite right. It was after a game at Inverness. They'd just been beat 2-1. Apparently, Le Guin came away with comments along the lines of, oh, well, just put it to bed. That's OK. We'll focus on the next game. And Barry Ferguson stood up and went, oh, actually, no. This isn't good enough. This is Rangers. And to me, that frustration is born out of Ferguson looking at someone who he thinks has no understanding of the club. And I think there's a bit of that here with, with, with Miller, Wallace and Murray. I think those two look at Murray and think he, he, he doesn't have a, an understanding of what this club's all about. I, I, I take the point and I think it's a good comparison to draw Barry Ferguson in particular and, and the Le Guin situation. The difference for me there is that Barry Ferguson was you know, a, a player at this club since you know, the days that he started learning how to walk. Whereas Kenny Miller is a career football mercenary and will play whoever pays him the largest paycheck. Um, and Lee Wallace is a guy who's mysteriously been sidelined but still picking up his paycheck. Um, I'm not quite sure what gives them the right to you know, take down the manager. And listen, we don't know how this has been done because the, the, the way you're kind of saying it of standing up and saying this isn't good enough, that's fine. That's absolutely fine. But it depends how it's been done. And and Pete's right to to reference the fact that stuff has found its way to the media and to very unfriendly media sources like the Daily Record. Um, and these things only seem to get worse when it's negative stories around people like Kenny Miller or the kind of old Scottish guards of the club. So it it depends on how it's been done. And in the absence of, of real information about this kind of thing... Uh, you kind of it's difficult to know who to believe, but I'm always inclined to to side with the club on this one. Pete. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I kind of agree. I, I think the, the the club have got to suspend them until they they find out exactly what happened. Obviously, uh, and they're, they are suspended. Uh, obviously, if there's an investigation, I don't I don't know what like Rangers investigations uh, are at what level that comes in at. But obviously, if Miller and uh, Wallace are found to to have acted legitimately and, and it's Murty that's not wrong, then I would expect them to be brought back in again. But, uh, yeah, Miller seems to be, seems to have a, a, a history of uh, sort of a revolution and being a revolutionist, revolutionist uh, to, to managers. As, as I say, he done it with Cakeson and uh, now he's done it to, to Murty. But I mean, this is—I mean, this is the second type of incident in this nature after a heavy defeat to Celtic. Obviously, there was a Joy Barton incident, and it's, it's, it, does it now maybe look like that? This is—you know—these incidents are now. This is how the club deal with them. This is how they deflect sort of attention away from themselves. With Joey Barton, it was like, right, it's his fault. We'll dump the blame on him. We'll get him out of the club. This time, it seems to be Kenny Miller and Lee Wallace. As I said earlier on, the last thing I was expecting was two players who never even played in the game to to to, to grab the headlines last week. Is, is this maybe the club's way, sort of, a, a, almost like a, a distraction tactic? You know, just shift the blame, put the spotlight over there, and then people won't ask too many questions about how badly the club's been run at the moment. Well, it would certainly seem that uh, the, the club uh, or the directors of the club the, the, their best PR seems to be against the fans and not against uh, other uh, 
media sources. But, uh, yeah, as I say, I don't know how they're going to handle it. I don't know. Uh, and, yeah, Barton, that was a, a another sort of a different case. He's, he, he really did lose his head. And, uh, yeah, as I say, I don't, don't know what Miller and Wallace actually did. And from what I've heard, a lot of the fans are, sorry, a lot of the players are standing behind them. And if you saw Candias uh, when he scored this afternoon, he ran towards Murty and then sort of I gave him a wee body swerve and ran past him and went to Halliday. So I, <laughs> I was actually waiting for Murty to put out his arms and uh, and welcome him into his arms until until uh, Candias ran about him and then went to Halliday. And then he even called over more players from the bench to, to join in their huddle. And Murphy, Murphy was sort of a left out of it. So that might be a story as well in the same sort of a category. I'll need to correct you there, Pete. We don't do huddles at Ibrox, you know that. <laughs> anyway, uh, I would agree with that, though. The celebration, I did think, was uh, an almost a snub aimed towards Murphy. He went to Halliday, who was obviously substituted last week. To me, that was a show of support to Halliday and maybe a wee bit of a two-fingered salute to Murphy. I don't know. That's how it felt. Ross... Can I make it a cuddle? No, if you want a cuddle, you can have a cuddle. No bother. We'll, we'll go with a cuddle. But we certainly don't call it a huddle, that's for sure. We don't do huddles. The fact that the fact that the club have suspended Lee Wallace and Kenny Miller-Ross, does that maybe show that Marty has a stronger influence at Ibrox than, than we suspected? Is there maybe even a chance that he's going to get this job full-time? I mean, I'll answer that in, in two parts. And actually, I'll answer that in reverse. Is he going to get the job full-time? No, certainly not. Um, I, I think even the the board realised that that would be almost suicidal with with the fan opinion. But does it show that that Murty is you know perhaps stronger than we thought? Murty's had a lot of criticism for being a weak, a nice but weak guy, um, and I think a lot of that's probably quite fair to be honest. So, what better way to show the media and show the fans and show the country that you're not a weak guy, but to suspend two of your most senior players? Fair enough. As, as far as I'm aware, and it kind of this circles back nicely to the question of is this the board just trying to deflect from a bad week and a bad result? As far as I'm aware, the board, you know, the, the directors don't, they kind of acknowledge the fact that they're not really football people. And so they're very keen to not be too involved in, in taking footballing decisions. And, and thank God for that, by the way. Thank God we don't have situations like we do down here in England. There's a lot of talk of, of boards who pick the team and get really involved in footballing decisions. Um, our boards are the antithesis of that in, in a lot of ways, allegedly, and, and are always very keen to kind of leave the footballing decisions to the footballing staff. And so I think if you look at the the three major suspension of player incidents over the last couple of years, Joey Barton, Kenny Miller 1, and now Kenny Miller 2 and Lee Wallace, those have happened under three different managers. You've got Warburton suspending Barton, Kashinia suspending Miller and now Marte suspending Miller and Wallace. And as far as I am led to believe, it, that's because it's not because the board are taking a knee-jerk reaction to bad results and suspending players to try and, you know, generate different headlines or anything like that. I, I genuinely believe it's three different managers have said, look, this player is undermining me, is behaving unprofessionally and needs to be suspended for the good of the dressing room. And if that's the case, then I, I don't see what the board could do differently. I don't know how the board could 
kind of ignore the manager to side with a player that's allegedly been disruptive. Can I just uh, what, we're all talking about the board here. I wonder what the director of football's role in this is. Surely he should be involved in this, but I haven't heard anything. He's been uh, sort of a disappeared under the table while all this is going on. Well, again, I, I, I can't really disagree with that. Mark Allen's role is... I, I don't really know exactly what it is he's doing at Ibrox at the moment. I mean, it, it seemed to me that a, a lot of good work came came out from him in January there. I, I really do think Rangers done some good business in January. But outside that, you know, you, you don't even hear wee rumours here and there about what he's doing. Everyone seems to think, oh, I don't really know what this guy's doing and what's happening on the football side of things. So you're maybe right. Pete, he maybe should be getting more involved, but he maybe is behind the scenes and we're just not hearing what it is. But one thing I would say in, in, in relation to what Ross was saying there, that, you know, it's, it's different managers that are going to the board. I would maybe contest that if the board appointed decent managers, none of this would happen in the first place. I do think who they've, who they've put in place to run the club has, has been a big a big issue and, and, and possibly the main motivating factor in all of this. Going sideways for a minute, Club 1870, uh, sorry, Club 1872, they issued a statement after uh, Miller and Wallace were suspended. Did both of you see it? And if he's dead, what did you think of it? Well, I certainly seen it. Um, and what, what I thought of it, <laughs> I thought it was a good good propaganda to try and get a man on the board. And honestly, if it wasn't, uh, it didn't have the headline with Club 1872 and Club 1872 at the end up, I would have thought, I wonder if a director wrote that. Because it's just all about selling season tickets and uh, we'll keep selling season tickets and uh, we'll get a director on the board and uh, for the rest, uh, I think it's a waste of time. And I don't think that that, that statement should never have been made. It's absolutely terrible. Ross, did you see it? How did you feel about it? Well, I, I saw it and I, I've seen a lot of the fallout from it as well and a lot of fans saying it's weak and it's paying lip service to the boards and it's pandering so that they can try and get a spot on the board and that kind of thing. But... Uh, it seems like in the, this week in particular, some fans will have been kind of satisfied with no less than blood rolling down the marble staircase. Um, I don't really know what, what people wanted from Club 1872 this week. Do people want Club 1872 to come out and say that, you know, the, the, the running of this club is incompetent and it's not good enough? I'm not sure what that would achieve. And we've got, We've had some really kind of knee-jerk reactions from from large sections of the support that I think have been largely unfair, in particular towards the board. Um, I, I don't think actually Club 1872 needed to make a statement. They don't seem to have done their own PR any good making a statement. No one's come out of it very well. Um, I, th- I think it was probably just a little bit needless and it certainly wasn't going to satisfy... Uh, a, a large section of the support who seems to have their, their knives out at the moment. Surely though, Ross, the point of Club 1872 is, you know, they're there to hold the club's feet to the fire on issues. That's how I would see it anyway. I must admit, I was a, I was slightly disappointed with the statement. Uh, and I think, based on the debate that's going on about Club 1872, as I've said previously, I think Club 1872 is a great idea. I think that's the way all football clubs should be going. I would, I would support all sort of ideas and notions of fan ownership of football clubs. 
But the, the sort of accusations that are levelled at Club 1872, I think statements like the one they issued last week don't do anything to quell those accusations. And I, I don't think it was helpful at all. Moving quickly on, though, I'll give, give you a quick question each. Pete, are this board currently now living in borrowed time? You know, it seems to me they've had a couple of cracks and since the club's got to the top tier and it's been two wasted summers. Is this, is this their last summer of investment and signings and appointing a new manager? And if it fails this time, big questions have to be asked. Well, I think I think you can ask questions, but who who's going to come in? If, 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 has anybody got uh, other investors to come in that will be... Rangers that have Rangers at heart. I mean, I'm sure there's thousands of investors wanting to come in, like uh, Craig White and all that kind of people. But God hope we don't get, ever get them in charge again. So I don't really know. I don't think there's any other wealthy Rangers supporters or even friends of Rangers supporters sitting waiting to to jump in. So I don't I don't know where that investment's going to come from. Well, I I I, I would disagree with the wealthy Rangers supporter thing. I hear that Stuart Franklin's worth a few bob, but we'll not talk about that right now. Ross, moving over to you, in terms of a new manager, is there anyone out there that you think that Rangers should obviously go for and think if, if they come in, that would really get the fans on side again? Uh, no. In, 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 a, in a short answer, there's no standout candidate for me. And unfortunately, it's the same position that we were in back in December or back in November when we got rid of Pedro, and there's no standout candidate, and that's why we ended up with Graham Murty at this stage of the season. Um, there are a, f- a fair few names floating around. Perhaps the, the most prominent would be Frank De Boer, um, who, could we afford him? Maybe not. Could we build the team that we want? That he would want? Almost definitely not, not on, on the money that we have to offer. Would we give him enough time to build his own style of football here? Absolutely not. Then you've got guys like Michel Prudhomme, and then a, a lot of a lot of fans, possibly rightly, kick up and say, "I don't want a manager that I have to Google. Um, I want someone that knows the Scottish game as much as I hate that phrase. Um, someone that has played or worked in Scotland." So a lot of our fans would write him off, and a lot of the media would write him off almost instantly as well. You get guys like um, Steve McLaren, who a lot of people would kind of turn their nose up at and allegedly he's quite a good coach but would he be able to cope under the pressure of the, the, the spotlight in Glasgow it's, undou- it's 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 doubtful I don't think he could so there's no standout candidate if I was being really wishful um, for me it would be if you know if Belgium have a bad World Cup Roberto Martinez might find himself out of work um, he's obviously being employed part time at Belgium so he's not on a huge salary and we, we could probably get close to what he's on at Belgium at the moment. His wife is from Scotland, so he's got ties to the country. Obviously, he played for Motherwell. Um, so someone like that would, would work quite nicely for me. But I think for every candidate you can you can come up with, you'll probably find at least 50% of the support would disagree with you. Um, so I, I really don't envy the board, and in particular Mark Allen, who it seems it's Mark Allen's remit to go out and find someone to manage this club. I don't envy them because there's no standout candidate for me. Well, before we move on to the next topic, I'll have it confirmed that uh, Stuart Franklin is minted because I've just had it. I won't reveal my source, but someone just told me. Anyway. Can I just uh, come in on that one? Um, <laughs> not not Stuart Franklin, but over Frank de Boer. Uh, as anybody that's listened to the show before or know me, uh, that I've got a lot of Dutch ties. 
and I was watching Dutch television during the week and it was stated that Frank De Boer had knocked back Rangers for the job. He didn't want it. I must admit, I'm quite surprised at that because his agent said when when Pedro left that you know it was a job he would consider, uh, and I think I, I think he sort of fits that a similar sort of mould to Brendan Rodgers. You know, he's he's Brendan if, if Brendan Rodgers' career had went to plan at Liverpool, he wouldn't be anywhere near Celtic right now. Let's be honest. And I think Frank De Boer made two bad choices in going to Inter Milan and then Crystal Palace. I think his stock is fairly low at the moment, and I think. Rangers are almost like a level entry back into it again. You know, if he came into a club like Rangers and done a good job there, his stock would rise again and he, and he would maybe begin getting quoted for the jobs that he was getting quoted for a year or two ago. So I'm a wee bit surprised that the Boer has already said he's not interested. Mind you, we are a bit of a basket case of a club at the moment, so who knows? I mean, just just to kind of highlight on, on De Boer there, there was a rumour that I heard a, a while back that, you know, we kind of contacted him uh, when when Kashinia left, and we contacted him and said, "Would you be interested?" And allegedly, he said, uh, "I'm not interested now. I won't be interested until the end of the season. And even then, I might not be interested." If that's true, that's not the kind of guy I want leading the club. Fair comment. But, fair comment. Well, as I say, it was one of, one of the top uh, Dutch journalists that that came away with that on Monday night and uh, a television program. But it was also rumoured during the week that we'd approach Clark and that he said he wouldn't be interested either. So all, all the options that seem to be getting talked about are rumoured to be uh, to be knocking us back. Only time will tell what happens in that front, I suppose. Right, guys, I mean, I'm of an age now uh, and, and and have a waistline that's, that, that means that football kits are not my thing anymore. My days of wearing those kind of things have long gone. However, the club announced last week that they've got a new a new kit deal with Hummel. Uh, I have to admit, when I heard that, I was I was a wee bit disappointed. Uh, they kind of strike me as a bit of your Sunday amateur sort of kit manufacturer. However, they have they have got at least one classic kit in their in their in their, their history with the, the Denmark kit in the 1986 World Cup. Uh, the figures quoted for it are 10 million over three years. Ross, does that sound like a good deal to you? Well, I think we have to believe that's the best deal that we could get. If that's the most money that's been offered to us and the best kind of manufacturing deal for the, the long term, then that's, you know, it's, it's certainly better than what we're getting at the moment. Um, I'm like yourself in that I don't I don't really wear the strips. I, I, I tend to buy them and I'll wear it going out for a run or something like that. Um, but <laughs> look, whether it's a, a Hummel logo or a Nike tick or Adidas or whatever... It, it doesn't bother me, and I don't think it bothers 99% of the fans, um, because whoever makes our kit will sell it. Because especially us, us being starved of merchandise for a few years there, you've seen the demand when we were able to buy the strips again. Whoever makes our kit, we will buy it in, in our thousands. So uh, I, I think, you know, Rangers probably kind of announced this news this week because they realised that the PR was really particularly bad at the moment so they announced something to try and to try and generate a bit of good news and some fans just could not be be cheered up and some fans wanted to moan about it because it's not a nike or an adidas or an umbro or whatever it is you want um but if this is getting 10 million quid into the club and nike were only offering whatever they were offering then <laughs> to turn that down because you want a tick on your chest just would be ludicrous Pete, uh, Hummel have said that they will release three kits per year. 
now as I said earlier, I, 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 I don't buy the kits anymore. Those days are long gone. However, I do have a son. He he he's still interested in you know buying the kits. You know, given that supporters, you know, there's a, there's a lot of money involved in supporting football clubs these days. I've just had a bill through for the best part of six hundred pound to renew my season ticket and my son's. It's three kits a year, too many. Well, I don't think it's too many because it gives you a choice of what kit you want to buy. And as Ross says, I don't think it uh, matters to the supporters what what kind of brand it is, whether it's a tech from Nike or a or a, a Adidas, the three stripes from Adidas. Uh, as far as I, I read in the statement, there was ten different tenders uh, asked to put in a tender, and the Hummel must have been the the, the top one. They get the 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 job to to do it. The thing is, is it a good deal? Obviously, Celtic have got new balance and they're getting 30 million. Well, it's reported they're getting 30 million over five years. But where we are, can, could we expect a deal like that? Because Celtic have got Champions League every year up till now and probably for the next couple of years. So could we expect to get as much as they're getting at the moment? Uh, I doubt it. So I think it's possible, probably the best best deal we could have got at this moment. Ross, as it's been highlighted earlier on, that this is the first deal since Sports Direct were removed from the equation. You know, and that obviously had a very detrimental impact in terms of how many kits went out the door. And it's almost like going into this, Rangers were at sort of ground zero in terms of a negotiating position because I think Hummel quite rightly would say, well, how many units are you going to sell? You know, so it, it does kind of feel like a, a new beginning on the kit front. Does the fact that you know we've got ten million over three years and Sports Direct are no no longer part of the equation? Is this a sign that off the park at least this board are taking the club in the right direction? I think it has to be. Yeah, I think getting Mike Ashley and Sports Direct away will go down as kind of this board's legacy, um, and and should never be underestimated or undervalued. What a significant moment that was, um, and. Getting was it ten million over three years or whatever it is three and a half million pounds a year from this this kit deal that's a that's a player and his wages paid for there as long as that's not Carlos Pena so I think <laughs> it, it it gets it gets cash into the club where we weren't getting cash in before and that's what the boards have been good at the boards uh, on the park things are are not going well um, and it, it it's unclear really who the finger should be pointed at for that. But off the park, in terms of you know the finances and the fiduciary duty that the board have, that's where the boards are performing. And whether it's getting money into the club through through kit sponsorships, being able to sell our merchandise again because you've negotiated with one of the toughest and and cruelest businessmen in the country, whether it's the redevelopment being done at Ibrooks in the surrounding areas, the redevelopment being done at at Ockenhowie, um, I think there are really clear and obvious signs that the boards are doing the right thing off the park and are, are trying their best to get further investment into the club, into what actually is, is probably quite an unattractive investment prospect if you're a big, non-emotional, non-football-aligned institutional investor you wouldn't see as a particularly attractive investment. I think this is where the boards are kind of doing doing what they should be doing and it's easy to see that. And I think actually in, in weeks like this week that we've just had, people willfully blind themselves to that fact because they want to point the finger of blame as, as high as they can. Um, we're football fans and we have emotional reactions to things, but 
when you take a step back and you see some of the steps that the boards have taken, um, even things like being able to pass the resolution at the AGM to get a share issue going, um, it, it, these things are crucial, really crucial to the long-term financial health of, of any company. And I think it would be wrong of us to not acknowledge and appreciate these things when they come along. Right, guys, great stuff there again. Uh, only thing we've got left to do is to, to, to quickly go through the save code of the week if you've got any. Quick update on on, on the, the Stuart Franklin situation. I've just heard here that he's went into voluntary administration and liquidation and is now known as the Stuart Franklin. So there we are. It's all done. Anyway, save code of the week, Ross. Do we have any? We have an absolute cracker from someone who calls himself Finlay Boy. Right, and... Uh, right. I don't know about you guys. I've been watching a lot of the Commonwealth Games over the last week or two. I've absolutely, I've loved it. It's been great. Finlay Boy has pointed out, not sure why we still have the Commonwealth Games, probably just so that Sevco can feel important. <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, whatever gets them through the day, that's fine. Uh, well, it's, I mean, uh, some of the stuff I see online is, 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 it's the only thing that makes me smile, actually. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's to be in that position that they're in and and still get involved in that stuff is, is sort of beyond me. Uh, but anyway, right, that's us for another week. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. Big thanks to Ross and Pete for, for their contribution this week. And a big thanks to our audio guru, Graham, who I continue. I continually get his name wrong, but I've got it right this week. Big thanks to Graham, who will polish the product into something fantastic for you all. If you're looking for any Rangers-related chat, get yourself onto Jersnet at www.jersnet.co.uk. Get on the forums there as well. There's lots of banter on there, lots of good people talking about some excellent Rangers chat. Uh, obviously, it's the Celtic game next week. There'll be the podcast after that. If you've enjoyed this, get it out there on all the usual forums, Twitter, Facebook. Hope you have a good week, and thanks for joining us. <laughs>